Again, good to be in the Lord's house here tonight for Wednesday night prayer service. And if you would, be turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 14. 1 Samuel in chapter number 14 there tonight for just a few minutes as the Lord allows us there. Again, continue to pay for or pray for a pastor there with his back there. I believe he goes to the doctor tomorrow morning there. Lord will touch him. And I have got a frog that has decided to settle in my throat here just in the last few minutes. If you all bear with me. 1 Samuel chapter number 14, we'll start reading in verse number 1. And if you would, when you find your place, if you would stand in reverence to the reading of the word of God there tonight. 1 Samuel chapter number 14 and verse number 1. The word says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison, that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about six hundred men. And Ahia, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sena. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Thought I turned my mic off. I apologize. That is reading the first six verses here in the book of First Samuel. There tonight, and of course we like to focus in on verse number six there, and thinking about this thought there tonight for the few minutes as the Lord allows of going out on faith. Let's pray. I'm as kind and gracious and dear Heavenly Father, the Lord. We thank you once more for this privilege we have to come boldly before the throne of grace. Father, we thank you for salvation, dear Lord. We thank you that you sent your Son to this earth, shed His blood for our sins, we might have everlasting life. Father, I pray that you forgive us now for the times we have failed you. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, take the reading of your word here tonight. Bless it and use it as you see fit. Lord, just take the reins of the service and let all things be done according to thy will. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and honor for all things. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated there tonight. This is a fairly familiar passage of scripture. I'm sure you've, if you've been in church in any length of time there in your life, and you've probably heard several messages through here, but just thinking about some of the thoughts the Lord's laid upon my heart there tonight in this passage of scripture, we see a few things about Jonathan. This is a time of Israel in which Saul, being the first anointed king of Israel, has come upon the throne and there has been conflict between Israel and the Philistines off and on throughout the time of the judges and even through now. And now this is a time, if you were to look back in the previous couple of chapters, you would find that Saul has reigned for about two years at this point without much of an incident, without much of an issue so up to that point. But we see that there appears to be a time of where he waited, had a time of some inaction. You would even find in the end of 1 Samuel chapter number 13 that the only two people in the host of Israel that had a sword was Saul himself and Jonathan. There was not even a sword there to be found amongst the other children of Israel. And yet here they are pitched in a battle with the Philistines on one side and Israel on the other. It was not a good looking situation. It was not a situation in which you or I definitely would not want to be in as far as battles go, let alone the leader of a nation at this point in time. We know that at this point in time, Saul has also 
gone against one of the Lord's commandments to usurp the office of the priesthood. And God has already said that, or through his prophet Samuel, that he was going to seek another one after his own heart. So into this backdrop and into this situation here, we see that the armies of Israel are planted in this pitched battle that's there. And here we see Jonathan, son of the king, the one who's eventually going to be the one who is the best friend to David, the one that God was going to use here for a great thing. Why don't you notice, first of all tonight, in verse number 1, we're going to see Jonathan's leadership. It said, And now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto a young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which is in Migron. Notice that with the battle and notice the backdrop of things that's going on, Jonathan decided that he wasn't going to sit back with his father there under the pomegranate tree, the things that were there. He decided he's going to go out on his own. He's going to take the leadership step and decide to step out of his comfort zone, step out into a place where it's just him and his armor bearer, and they're going to see what God might be able to do for them. Notice there tonight, notice who he left behind. He left behind the authority of the time. Saul, the king, is tarrying there as we see in verse number 2. It's interesting, if you look at where he's at, it says he's underneath a pomegranate tree. Jewish tradition has pomegranates as being a symbol of righteousness. You find them on the priest's robe and also upon the ephod. You also find them on the pillars in Solomon's temple. It's a, a large tree. It's a, something a little bit different than what you and I may see here. It tends to be about 40 feet tall or so. It tends to be quite bushy, and therefore it produces a lot of shade that's there. And it's a place that you could even say that Saul is there tarrying underneath a shadow of righteousness there. He wanted to appear that everything was going to be alright and everything was how it needed to be when in fact and in reality it was not. He leaves them behind. Jonathan sticks out on his own and he decides he's going to leave that authority that's there behind. The ones that's standing by not actually doing any action, not actually doing anything to try to further the will of God and he leaves on there by himself. Not only does he leave the authority that's there, he also left the religion of the time. Verse number 3, And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Now, if you read the book of Samuel, for his namesake, at this point in time, Samuel was God's man. Samuel was God's prophet. Here we see that Phinehas, or here we see the relatives, rather, of Phinehas and Hophni, if you used to go back in the book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 2, you would find that God was going to, they sinned against God and sinned against the office of the priesthood, and that God pronounced judgment against them. And it was fulfilled, and, and it took place in 1 Samuel chapter number 4. They, of course, have their relatives here, their descendants, as we saw mentioned. It said, and Eli the Lord's priest shallow, wherein Ephod the priest do not, that there was gone. It said, Ichabod's brother. Now, Ichabod, of course, as you may know, it's well known that. The name means that the glory has departed. He was so named because at the time of his birth, the ark itself was carried away by the Philistines after the loss of a battle at that point in time. So he's keeping these around that aren't God's man, and he's keeping the religious crowd around. And you'll find later down in the chapter, the ark of God is also there as well. So we see that Saul, the king, the authorities there, pretending everything's going to be all right, trying to figure out what they were going to do, and kind of locked, you could say, and kind of paralyzed with inaction. The same thing with the religious crowd, those that were probably telling him the words he didn't want to hear. Instead of being like Samuel, the one Samuel had already said, God is going to take the kingdom from you. He's going to give it to another one that's after his own heart. You'll find shortly after this that it's going to be proclaimed that David is going to be given the kingdom that's going to be there. So Jonathan's not waiting around for the world's authority to do anything. He's not waiting around for a religious crowd to do anything. But instead he takes leadership and decides to go out on his own. He's not a follower. 
You and I live in a world that is full of followers. But not many people are willing to go out and take a stand on their own. It's easy to be a follower. It's not easy to go against the flow that's out there. This world has made it easy when you're looking round about, whenever you look at the news headlines or those places there, live in a society that you're guilty until proven innocent. Live in a society that's shifted more that direction, a society that's standing against the things of God and against the laws and the principles that are set there. And it's not easy to want to go out and try to make a stand against what we see in the world there today. But Jonathan, despite the enemies that he saw without, and despite the inaction, and despite the corruption of things that were present in the camp, he decides he was going to go out on his own. He took some initiative. He took the step in leadership. Also notice Jonathan's loyalty in verse number 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. This first part of the verse here, we can see that he was a person and a man of action. He said, come. He didn't say, hold on, let's sit back and wait for just a minute. He didn't say, now let's ponder and sit back and weigh our options to see if we need to go left or right or where we need to go. He says, right off the bat, come. He didn't tarry around. He didn't stay in the company that had been there previously. He didn't want to stay back in the shadow of righteousness. He wanted to do something for the Lord and he was willing to take the chance and leave out of his comfort zone that was there behind. If you've heard the phrase, there's strength in numbers. No doubt, I'm sure it would have been that way. Now, most thinking about the soldiers and thinking about the different day and age that was there, they were going against what would have been some pretty fearful men. I'm not pretty scary. Matter of fact, I'm pretty out of shape unless you consider round as a shape. They're talking about guys that's there that's going to be in shape, muscular. They're going to have the armor. We've already mentioned the children of Israel only had two swords amongst all of them there. These guys would have had swords. They would have had shields. They would have had bows. They would have had spears. They would have been heavily armed. Yet despite the clear and present danger that the enemy had presented without, he was still going to go out and take some action. Notice right here it says, Also, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Notice that he was also uncertain. Whenever we decide that we're going to go out on faith, sometimes the Lord requires us to rely on Him for what He wants to take place in those battles in our life. He wants us to rely on what He's got planned for us. Leave out of our comfort zone. He decided, says He was uncertain. He had some faith that God was going to be able to take care of it. He said it may be that the Lord will work for us. And He continued on and He said it for be that the Lord work for us for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Notice he was going out not in his own strength. He was going out in the strength of God. The reason he wasn't able to take that faith is because he wasn't putting the faith in his own shield. He wasn't putting his own faith in the sword that he had, the one of the only two that they had that was there. He wasn't putting his faith in the authority they left behind. He wasn't putting his faith in the religious crowd they left behind in the camp. He was putting his faith in the fact that God was able to do all things. That God had the power to grant Israel the victory despite what seemed to be, as far as you and I would be concerned, as far as what the world would be concerned, as insurmountable odds. A battle that seemed like that could not be won. But yet he knew that God was able to do above and beyond that which you or I or that which they at that time would even be able to expect that was going to take place that was there. He knew that it could not, that it may be had by many or it could be done by few. We see all through scripture that God takes the weak things of this world to confound those people that are mighty. He takes the foolish thing of this world to confound those that are wise. Things that don't seem to make sense from a worldly perspective, but he does that to demonstrate that he is in control. He does that to demonstrate 
that He has almighty power, that He has the ability to overcome all things despite the weakness that is present in man, despite the weakness that is present here in this world. Jonathan was remaining loyal to God the Father. He knew that the Lord was able to do a great and a mighty thing. Look also here in verse number 7, we see Jonathan's looking in verse 7. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. Notice that he's looking for the will of God. He didn't just go out without a plan. He didn't just go and kind of go out willy-nilly and say, well, I'm going to go in this direction and then begin to follow his own path. No, he's seeking what God wants him to do as well. He said it may be, he was uncertain, so he began to seek what the Lord was going to do. He was saying, you know, we're going to make ourselves known to them. We're going to sneak up and get right close to the garrison. We're just two people. We're going to make ourselves known to them. And if they say, you know, stay there, then we know the Lord's not going to be able to do the work for us. And he said, of course, if they call up, then we know God has delivered them in our hand. Whenever we decide we're going to go out on some faith, we don't need to do it of our own accord. We also need to follow the leadership of the Lord as he draws us in those directions. Not just blindly rushing into something, but yet going in with a plan and prayerfully considering the path that God would have before us. It was an uncertain path that they were taking, but they were taking it carefully, not rushing into it. But at the same time, they were also not going to draw it out either. He's also looking for the Lord to open and to close the door. You know, there was a story once before I remember hearing about a, about a certain preacher and a man, he was, he was a Christian comedian at the time, and he got to talking about how the, the doctor told him he needed to start watching what he eats a little bit better. And he had a really hard time avoiding Krispy Kreme. He was driving home one day, and he looked over, and he saw all that hot signs on. He began to think, you know, Lord, that hot sign is on. Don't you think I could go get me one of them nice hot donuts right there? He said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to drive on the parking lot. Lord, if it be thy will and you want me to have a donut, there'll be an open parking spot. He said eventually he found one after driving about seven times around the parking lot and he found his empty parking spot. And he went in and got him a hot Krispy Kreme donut. Sometimes you and I do the same thing. Lord, I really want this. Lord, I really want to be able to get there and we'll beat around and beat around and try to get the way we want it instead of listening to what the Lord wants us to do. He opens doors and he closes doors. And if he makes his will known to us, we don't need to tarry about it. We don't need to draw it out, but we need to be ready and willing to jump on the, the path that God has laid out for us, not lingering around that was there. So Jonathan's looking for the will of God. But also I want you to notice Jonathan's legacy. In verse number 11 it said, And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the man of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Remember what he had said before? Let's wait and see what they say. And whenever this took place right there, he said, The Lord's given it to us. Well, can you, can you imagine that scene there? The Philistines knew that the Israel did not have the arms. Why? Because you find the Philistines were the reason they were in that situation to begin with. 
they had made sure that there was no smith in the land of Israel. And if the children of Israel need to have somebody to go and you know, fix their axe or their mattock or colt or whatever it may be, they had to go down to the cities of the Philistines to find someone to fix that tool and a smith to be able to make whatever they needed there. And by so doing, they were keeping Israel subjugated, keeping them to have the ability to be able to fight against the Philistines. They know this. And they're even saying, can you picture that scene of those soldiers armed, head to toe, saying, look at these guys coming up right here. You know, the enemy does that to us sometimes. He'll look big and bad, intimidating. It almost seems like he'll dare us to want to come up and do something against them that's there. But you and I, we're limited in our strength. We may always seem like we have the necessary tools to get done once there, but we're never alone. We've got someone that fights for us and someone that's at our back every step of the way. Never going to leave us. Never going to forsake us. God opened the door. God gave them what Jonathan was looking for. He went out on faith. He went out on the faith that was there and God is now beginning to reward the faith that Jonathan had in the situation that they were in. In the battle that they were in. It said in verse number 13, And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. Now notice, he got confirmation that the Lord was going to do a mighty work. God was going to deliver them. But it wasn't easy to get to the spot they needed to go. You know, many times whenever we've got a path before us and God makes something known and it looks like He's going to give us the way to have the victory and everything that we need, many times the path to get to that place we need to be to get the victory is not always the easiest to get to. Sometimes there's obstacles you have to climb over. They had to climb up right there. If you notice, read that verse again. It said, And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet. Now, remember, he's still got his sword. His armor bearer's there. They probably have got armor as well. His shield bearer's there, so they know they've got that there with them. So now they're having to get all the combat equipment and take it with them. Instead, they're crawling upon their hands and upon their feet. Now, if you've ever been back in these mountains on some of these hiking trails that's there, I've been in a place a time or two. I didn't exactly know where I was going to get into until I already got there. But it's not easy if you're carrying a pack, and now you're having to grab a rope that's on the trail or you're having to grab a rock or a root or something that's around you, and you start going up something that's steep. It's even worse when you're coming back down because you've got all that weight wanting to take you down with it. It's not an easy thing to do. And here we see Jonathan and his armor bearer. They're not having to climb up to get to the place where they need to fight the battle. So whenever we decide that we need to go out on faith, sometimes it's going to be a journey to get there. It's going to be a place that's not an easy way to just waltz in, but sometimes it takes some work to get to the place that God has designated for us to be there. It said, and they fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about twenty men, within, as it were, an half acre of land, which a yoke of oxen might plow. So once they got to the top, usually after many climb like that, you're going to be pretty tired. But again, they're not going in their own strength. God's there with them. God's going to fight with them. He's going to give them the energy they need. He's going to give them the strength that they need to go out and fight. And those Haughty Philistines, that's one saying, look at those guys that's coming up here out of the holes. You know, come up here. We're going to teach y'all a lesson. We can fight better than y'all. Y'all come on now. Now all of a sudden they're finding themselves on the other end of that. Jonathan and his armor bearer began to, began to slay, uh, slay the ones that were there. They had about 20. So it was going to fall there. Now remember, we said these are big. They were bad dudes. They were rough dudes. They were soldiers. No doubt they were probably very familiar with warfare. They were probably trained killers just like anybody in armed forces would be today, people that are known and skilled in the arts of war. But yet here these two come. The two that by your and ours reckoning should not be able to go out and do this. But yet the Bible makes it clear that they slew 20 of them that was there. And it didn't just stop there, it's read on. 
He said in verse number 15, And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled, and the earthquake, so it was a very great trembling. We notice here that fear began to fall upon the host of the Philistines. Fear began to overtake them that was there. It said, And the spoilers also trembled, and the earth quaked. Oftentimes, as we look through Scripture, you'll find that an earthquake and the ground quaking is often associated with the presence of God. You would even find, you go back to the book of Exodus, whenever the Lord descended down upon the mount, talked about there being an earthquake. Whenever Elijah had gotten off into the cave that was there, what was also upon the mount, there was also going to be an earthquake that was there. Through Scripture, you find a theme there that all times the Lord's around, there's a quaking that's there. You know, if we're willing to go out on a limb of faith, when to go out there and take the chance for the Lord to put your faith solely in Him, even in an uncertain time. Not only is it going to have an effect on your life, as Jonathan began to have that personal victory, as they slew those that were there before them, that victory and the things that were taking place there began to spread. It began to go out and begin to affect the other host that was there. Their fear came upon them, a trembling came there. Let's read on. Verse number 16. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away. And they went on beating down one another. The fear, the rout, the things began to overtake them there as the presence of the Lord came. And as they began to fight for them, they began to run one across another. Said they were beating each other down. They were trying to push each other to get out of the way, trying to flee these two men that was there, trying to flee the presence of God as God was fighting the battle for the Jonathan and the children of Israel. Verse number 17, Then said Saul unto the people that were with him, Number now, and see who has gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said unto he, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass, while Saul talked to the priest, that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thine hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle, and behold... Every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was a very great discomfiture that was there. God began to fight the battle. Jonathan's legacy was going to leave behind by going out on faith here was God was going to give them a great victory, not just to him in his battle, but also to his people, also to the nation that was round about. God extended the victory to the host of Israel that was there. You and I, there's going to be battles in this life. There's going to be unsure situations we want to find ourselves in. Nowhere in the scripture did Christ ever say we were going to have an easy time going through this life. There are those today that may say, well, you know, if you go and you serve the Lord, you may have this nice car, you might have that nice house, and God may very well choose to bless you with those things. But he doesn't promise that we're going to have a life fraught without battles. Whenever the children of Israel went into the promised land, across the river Jordan, a type of, they wandered in the wilderness before, which was a type of sin, a type of being lost, and across Jordan, which was a type of salvation. But once they were there in the promised land, they had battles that were going to be fought. Battles that was going to take place as they had to fight to claim the inheritance of promise they had there, a type of the Christian life. I don't know what battle you may be facing. I don't know what enemy that you may be facing. And you may be in an uncomfortable time and it may be that the Lord is beginning to show something before you that's outside your comfort zone. The Lord may be showing you something in your path that would mean that you might have to step out of what's considered the normal thing that's there. You may have to step out and leave someone that's holding you back. Whether it be a religious crowd, whether it be an authority figure like a spirit of Saul that was there kind of trying to figure out what it needed to do and had a time of inaction. It may be that the Lord is leading you in another direction and it's uncomfortable that's there. 
but learn from Jonathan. Be willing to go out on some faith. Jonathan took some leadership and the fact that he wasn't going to be a follower of those that were around, but he was going to go and he was going to follow God. He was going to lead those around him to where the Lord needed them to be. He was there at the forefront of the battle. You would find throughout, there's a lot that can be said about Saul in this scripture. There's some other things. As a matter of fact, I've got a whole other sermon outline in this same chapter that talks about Saul. There's a lot of things we can talk about there. But the hero of this story, the hero of what we see in this passage, is Jonathan. And it all started because he was willing to go out on faith. Scripture is full of those who are willing to go out on faith, who are willing to go out and leave their comfort zone. If you flip back a few few pages there in the book of Judges, chapter number 6 and verse number 11, you find another familiar, familiar face. It said, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. That always got me. Again, you always just picture, here's this one who's trying to thresh wheat to hide it from the Philistines. Or hide it from the Midianites here. And he comes out and the angel says, Thou mighty man of valor. You can just imagine him looking around and saying, Who are you talking to? You talking to me right here? And said, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, of saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. He even acknowledged himself saying, I'm the least in my father's household. We're, not, we're one of the least of the, of the families that's here, one of the least of the tribes. Yet God, once again, will take the weak things of this world, the most unlikely of people, to bring about some of the greatest victories that's there. In the book of 1 Samuel, you could go back forward to chapter 17. We won't turn there tonight for time's sake. But you'll find another familiar name by a young boy by the name of David. He went out and his father sent him to go check on his brothers who were at the battle. And again, with another familiar name, you'll find is there was the battle of the Philistines again. And who was there but a, none other than a giant by the name of Goliath who come out, the Bible says, 40 days and he began to defy the armies of the living God and defy God himself. And David said, what are we going to do about this guy? And of course, everybody was, of course, they were sitting about in array and he would come out and they would run and hide. And one of his brothers got upset with him and said, you're come here just to see the battle. And of course... We know how the story went. Saul sent him out there and he faced down the giant and he had took himself five smooth stones. One for Goliath and the others for his brothers. And he went out there, didn't have a sword or anything in his hand, but just had that sling. That stone took off, probably just like a missile. Stuck right there in his forehead. And we know that the giant fell. And David, young boy, you and I would probably in the world would look at it and wonder how is this going to take place? How is this battle going to shape up? But again, God uses the most unlikely people. God uses the weak things of this world to demonstrate that He is in control and that He has strength. You may seem like that you're facing an insurmountable enemy. You may be facing an enemy that seems better equipped, that seems bigger, that seems stronger, that seems faster. But just like Jonathan, just be willing to go out on faith. Jonathan had the leadership. He had the loyalty. He was going to be faithful in God, put his faith in God and rest in the strength that God was going to give him. He didn't run out blind, but we know that he looked for the will of God. And we know that God gave him the victory in Jonathan's legacy. That's going to be known there. 
I don't know what battle and what fight you may be facing there tonight, but just be willing to go out on faith and trust in Him. Let go of what we're hanging on to for security and just turn it all over to Him that's there. I don't know what you may be facing there tonight. Eric, would you mind coming to the piano and playing something there tonight? Maybe the Lord spoke in the ear there tonight. There's something that you need to pray about. How about you? There's something in your life that you've been trying to find a way out of and maybe just need to go out on faith and trust in the Lord that He's going to give you the victory, that He's going to see it through, and that He can give you the deliverance from whatever the enemy that's beset you is. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe the Lord spoke there tonight. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray that the Lord would give you the discernment that you need to discern His will for your life and the strength that you need to follow it through. But way to go out on faith. Maybe the Lord has put someone else upon your heart, someone that you know that's going through a fight, someone that's going through a battle, that you want to pray for them and offer them up before the Lord there tonight. <clears throat> we'll pray there just a moment. <clears throat> Father, dear Lord, we thank you once again for this opportunity. Lord, we have to be gathered back in your house here tonight. Father, we're thankful for the, all the things that you've done for us for salvation. Father, we're thankful that you're never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. Father, we're thankful that you're able to fight the battles for us. Lord, dear Lord, help us to be willing to go out and exercise our faith, the Lord. Lord, be willing to leave our comfort zone. Willing to leave the things behind that we would look to and we put our faith in. And Lord, help us to rest our faith wholly in you. Lord, help us, dear Lord, to look to you for guidance in our situations and in our battles, dear God. And Lord, we pray that you would look favorably upon our situation, dear Lord, that you would give us the victory as we know that you promise you shall do. And Father, I pray that you be with all those that are gathered here tonight. Please be with the prayer requests. Please upon each and every heart. Lord, those that are lost, those that are sick, dear Lord. Lord, those that are backslidden and need to come back to know you. Father, we thank you for everything that you have done, what you would do and what you promise you shall do. Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' name we do ask and pray. Amen. Amen.